Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds uh, engaging in our second conversation with uh, someone that we respect and we look up to. Tim Elmore is a fabulous author, uh, and he's the type of leader that we enjoy having conversations with. He's a servant leader, and he cares deeply for those uh, that he is mentoring and leading. Uh, So, Tracy, what do you think about what we've heard so far and where we're going now? Well, I've looked forward to this time with Tim uh, because Tim's a friend, and we we have been involved in not only generally but specifically together in and leading and working together. And I appreciate not only Tim's writing, but he's also a great storyteller. Um, but what makes it good for me is I know Tim, and I see these truths alive in his life, and we talk about uh, the the paradoxes that, that make up leadership. I, I appreciate that he doesn't see himself as an expert, though he is, uh, but just as they're just, we're just people trying to do what yeah. God would have us do mm-hmm. together. So Tim, welcome back, man. Thanks. It's been fun to catch up. Um, I want to dive right back into you, to this book because the information is so timely. Um, we talked about the great leaders balance confidence and humility. We also talked about great leaders em- embrace visibility and invisibility. But I love this one. Great leaders are stubborn and open-minded. <clears throat> yeah, uh, Maybe it's because I saw myself in that first word. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the reason that that appealed to you, Tracy? That's the question I have, yeah. Tim. Why, why did that get his attention? You know? Chris, I think we need to do an intervention right now, actually, instead yeah. of a podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally Tracy, kidding. I love you. I'm here for you. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, we love you, buddy. Well, you know, it's a great one, and I think it's great because I actually don't think any leader does something significant without being a little stubborn. If you're not yeah. stubborn, if you're not strong-willed, you will not stand up to forge ahead, plant the church, start the company, whatever it is you're going to do. So we got to have that. But what's hard is to know how, how to turn that button off when it's time to really be open-minded to new methodology, new strategy. So uh, my, my illustration or my case study in that chapter was none other than Truett Cathy, the founder of mm-hmm. Chick-fil-A. We all know Truett Cathy was very stubborn. In fact, when I say this to any audience, what do we know Chick-fil-A for besides good chicken? They always go, closed on Sunday. That was something that Truett Cathy was stubborn about. He has been known, this is not frequent, but he's been known when he was alive and still leading Chick-fil-A, if he would hear once in a while that an operator had their Chick-fil-A restaurant open on Sunday, and they would once in a while, because Sunday was the biggest sales day of the week Mm -hmm. for many fast food restaurants. He would drive up and fire the person, fire the operator. I mean, here's this gentle, loving Christian man letting the guy go because that violated a value Mm. that he had in his life. Whether you agree or not, the guy was stubborn about those values. But here's what I love about Truett that most people don't know. Even well into his 90s, he was still open to new ideas. He started a brand new restaurant 
uh, Truett's Luau, you know, south of Atlanta. It's, it's just amazing. And it was because even nine decades in, he was listening to people younger than him, most of them, and just saying, oh, that's a great idea. We should try that. So he was stubborn about his values, his core values, and he was stubborn about his people. He loved his people. But everything else, he was wide open. Um, I remember him writing me a note when he was well into his 80s, thanking me, a, me for a book I, I'd written and what he had learned from it. And I thought, Truett Cathy, I should be listening to you right now. What are you doing writing me a note? But that's the kind of guy he was. It was more of a statement about him than it was about me. So um, I love the, the stubborn, open-minded thing. is so difficult to balance, but it's so necessary today in this fast pace of change world we live in. All right, here's another one. Great leaders are deeply personal and inherently collective. <laughs> um, I love this paradox because it's really about communication. It's about vocabulary. So um, what I mean by this is I think we'd all agree when we hear great communicators, whether it's from a platform or in a hallway, the greatest ones are the ones that when they open their mouth and they utter words, you realize, number one, Oh, they see the big picture. They understand how this affects all of us. And yet you also hint, uh, sense a tone that is so personal, like, but they understand me. They get me as an individual, you know? Isn't it true for pastors, you know, on saying, yep. oh my gosh, that guy gets the big picture. But I felt like he was talking right to me. Did he read my mail last Thursday? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so Mother Teresa was my example on this one. Mm -hmm. This little lady who started her great work, the Sisters of Charity, in Calcutta, India, decades ago. Um, she was brilliant at both. She stayed close to the work, day in and day out, still holding babies in her arms that were dying, still wiping the skin of lepers on the road. Well, when she didn't have to. I mean, she'd won a Nobel Peace Prize, you know, mm -hmm. 17 years earlier. But um, she was still engaged in the work so that when she spoke to a donor or she spoke at Harvard University or she spoke to a president of the United States, she could be collective for sure, but she could talk from personal stories that she had experienced just yesterday. So um, this is one that I think your listeners, uh, I'd like to encourage them and beseech them to aspire to. Don't ever miss the big picture. People need to see you as a leader getting the big picture. But they also should say, I feel like we were talking alone at a Starbucks and you understood my, my anxieties and my nervousness and you seem to understand what I'm going through. It's brilliant and hard, but when you can put the two together, you can be the best pastor, you're going to be the best employer, you're going to be the best manager, uh, you're mm. going to be the spouse for your family, uh, parent. Yeah, I'll stop there. Well, it's so important, that professional angle where we have the point to make, but the personal heart, mm -hmm. and not just what yeah. we say, but how we say what we yeah. say. Yes. It's really true. You're absolutely right. And if you're going to be transformational, as I understand transformational leadership, it's not only, it's, it's two things. It's I'm going to push the mission and the vision that I have uh, for that future that, that I anticipate and I, I think is is. To, to be desired, but I also care about the individuals enough to to know them, to to see them placed both on the bus, but in the right seats on the bus. Yeah. 
Uh, and, and they know that, hey, I don't only care about the vision and the mission of the organization, but I care about you. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, I hear enough about your heart that I, I want to hear your story and to, and to understand. Uh, yeah. That's rich. Well, I'll I'm, tell you what, Tracy. We have a statement that we use here at Growing Leaders. No one is more important than the mission, but everyone is more important than their job. So the mission is bigger. The kingdom work is bigger than all of us, including the founder here. But, but, but everybody's more important than the job. So if we need to take some time mm. on Thursday because you're having a rough day and help do this, that, or the other, get your car run into the car repair shop or whatever, we'll stop. And so it's that feeling of, yeah, you get it. It's, it's just it's this weird, contradictory, mm. paradoxical, ironic deal going on. <laughs> that leaders today just have to be able to practice. Yeah, it's both and. Well, you know, I left, I missed one, uh, not by, uh, accidentally actually. Number two in your book, the second chapter was great leaders leverage their vision and their Mm -hmm. blind spots. Tracy, I'm so glad you brought this up before we were done because I know some of your listeners are young leaders and this one is perfect for young leaders to begin to study and master. So everybody listening right now who understands anything about leadership knows you've got to have a vision. You've got to have a target to hit. You've got to have a dream to pursue. It's got to be clear. At the same time, nearly every great leader I've interviewed, uh, and, and when I even look at my own life, there were blind spots that I look back and go, thank God I didn't know that. I would have never started or I would have never tried it, you know. In fact, it's funny, Truett Cathy even said this to me. If I had known that, what I know, I would have never started Chick-fil-A. It's been hard, you know. So um, my case study on this one is Sarah Blakely. By the way, I have an even number. I have women and men, black and white and brown. I try to pick examples from all backgrounds for them to see. This is not just for white males. Thank you very much. This is for everybody. So Sarah Blakely resides in Atlanta, Georgia. She's the founder of Spanx. So most females listening will go, I know what that is. That's shapewear, you know. Most guys will not know. And you know what? I'm not even going to try to explain. Thank you very much. But, but anyway, she came up with this industry called shapewear, found a manufacturer in North Carolina to, to you know, to build them, to build this this, this garment for, for women. But at that point, she had no distribution to get this product out. So she ends up calling up this executive, this female executive at Neiman Marcus department store, got 10 minutes to meet with her. So she's this 20-something. So listeners, she's a young professional. She flies in, sits down in this woman's office. She's nervous but excited. She starts describing Spanx, this great product that she really believed in. Well, five minutes into the conversation, Sarah realizes she's not getting anywhere. I mean, this lady has probably heard 30 pitches that day, and this is not standing out. So Sarah stands up in the, in the, in the, job, in the uh, interview or the, or the discussion and says, would you follow me? And the woman goes, excuse me? She says, would you follow me into the restroom? I want to do a show and tell. And she did. She walks into the women's room and she tries on her own Spanx. And the woman goes, that's amazing. (laughs) Sold, ladies and gentlemen. S-O-L-D, sold. Now, here's what's really great. So the lady said, the executive said to Sarah, we'll beta test these products in 10 of our store, 10 or 12, something like that. So Sarah calls up all of her friends that live in those cities and says, I'm going to send you some money. 
I want you to buy out all the spanks in every you know in the Neiman Marcus <laughs> store near your house. And of course, the product took off, and the rest is history. Yeah. And she's now a billionaire. Uh, but but here's the part that's paradoxical that I want your listeners to hear. Sometime later, Sarah's telling her story, and she's doing a Q and A session about her story. Somebody raised their hand in the Q and A session and said, "Sarah, your story's amazing. I don't understand how you got the attention of a department store executive." in one of those big trade shows where there's thousands of exhibitors. How did you stand out in a trade show? And Sarah, of course, said, excuse me, a trade show? What's a trade show? <laughs> she had never <laughs> been to a trade show, you know? Here's what, what the, those people in the audience were experienced, and they knew that's what you're supposed to do. Thank God for Sarah's blind spot. She didn't know that was how you're supposed mm. to break into an industry. She went straight to the top to an executive, bypassed all of that mm. red tape, and has a yeah. product now that's selling very well. Thank you very much. So, that's listeners, beautiful. I want to just say this to you. There may be blind There will be blind spots. Yeah. And sometimes they can ruin you. So be careful. Have accountability. Get people talking to you. Pray. Listen. Mm-hmm. But I bet you that some of your blind spots will help you bypass Right. Kind of like a game of shoots and ladders. You'll <laughs> bypass some of the the red tape yeah. and, 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 and nonsense that everybody else goes, that knows what they're doing. You may be, the fact that you don't know what you're doing may be your saving grace. And by the way, isn't that true in Scripture? You look at prophets mm-hmm. in Scripture. They, didn't, they did it so unorthodox. Thank God yeah. they did. Paul, the apostle, thank God he didn't know what he, yep. he just did it, you know? So yeah. uh, anyway, I get a little excited about this one, but I think it's vision and blind spots that we need. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I remember my first year at Emmanuel College. I was, I mean, what I love about this is is we always think of blind spots as a negative. Yeah, and right. What what drew me to this, Tim, is that this is a positive. And yeah. I was a newbie. I didn't know. I was a denominational college. Yeah. I didn't know. I wasn't from that denomination. I knew nothing about that, and. So I didn't, the bishop could walk in and I didn't know who to salute him, you know? So I was completely <laughs> yeah. ignorant. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure I walked by dignitaries, but the beauty of that was yeah. I didn't know. So I didn't yeah. mince my words. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking about the, the office or the people around them. And it was a decided advantage. And I learned later, Tim, that the person who hired me did that on purpose. They wow. wanted that particular yeah. character trait. That they, 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 we need somebody who doesn't know who to salute yeah. here. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, that's brilliant. I love it. Well, thanks for sharing it. I, this one is is almost too obvious, but I'm going to bring it out anyway. Great leaders are both teachers and learners. Yeah. You Go all there. know in the world of education, we talk about lifelong learning, and the teacher learner yep. thing is almost intuitive. But I think it's actually hard to practice because, mm. well, I'll just speak for about my shortcomings and my sins. Once I get into teaching mode, I am so much, well, you heard me just a minute ago. I'm, you know, waving my arms <laughs> and, oh my gosh, what's he going to do, you know? But uh, when you get into teaching mode, it's hard to be in learning mode because in a Q&A session, it's hard to say, I don't know. You want to be an explanation. You know, I want to explain everything. My bless my, I, I raised two children. Tracy, you raised kids. They're both adults now. Bless their hearts. They grew up under Tim Elmore. I, I want to apologize <laughs> to them. I'm explaining everything in the world to them. You know, and and I actually was a better dad 
when, when at certain times I said, let's go explore, I really don't know. I think they kind of went, what? You, you, Dr. Elmore doesn't know the answer, you know? <laughs> so um, I don't need to share much on this, except that my case study on this one was Angela Arendt, who took over a luxury coat company named Burberry in London, England. And uh, she went over there, and they, they asked her to lead because she knew how to lead. She was definitely a teacher on how to market a product. But this particular coat line that she was taking over was in decline. And so after meeting the fellow executives, the first thing she did was meet all the young employees in their 20s, even the interns. And she said, I need you to teach me. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. I need you to teach me. What do we need to do to reach your demographic, to reach your generation? We're not reaching millennials, blah, 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 blah. And they fed her ideas. And she, they, I tell you what, it was the fact that she was a teacher that gave her respect from others. But it was the fact that she was a learner that won the hearts yeah. of those young team members. And they took off. And, oh, my gosh, the company grew under her leadership. But it was that teacher-learner combo that really was uh, her saving grace. Mm. Mm. That's uh, so good. I remember hearing years ago, and you probably remember who said it, Tim, but it was uh, that the next great idea or discovery won't come from our generation. Yeah. And, you know, and being, I'm 64 this year. Yeah. And I, looking back, I, you realize that it's been a long time. Uh, it seems like God has always used that, uh, that post adolescent. 20 something to come up with the great ideas uh, and you're yeah. absolutely right yeah. it's difficult to be a learner uh if yeah. i'm just always talking if i'm always yeah. you know espousing my my yeah. expertise to people yeah but how empowering is it when i just listen and say mm-hmm. you know uh, uh same thing with, with with my kids uh and say you know hey uh teach dad how to, anything electronic yeah. i mean last yes. year i can't yes. even spell, can't even spell yeah. podcast and now I are one, so <laughs> <laughs> it's anyway. true. All right, we got time for one more. Okay, so I want to go with one more. This is the last one in the book: is that great leaders are timely and timeless. Mm-hmm. Well, as somebody who's typically three minutes late, um, I, that whole word "time" is convictional to me. So, tell me about that, please. Well, this is a, I say this to last because I think it's such a need today. I wanted to leave this thought with the reader. Um, timely and time is clearly uh, defined are when we are timely, it means we're aware of the current culture and situation that we're in. So we're timely in that sense. We get what's going on. But timeless means I understand the universal, timeless values and virtues and skills that will be good in any day, not just today. So as we work with students, the three of us, timely is what we must be because our students need to think, my teacher or my leader understands my world. They have worked hard to understand TikTok or whatever's going on in my world. And, and I mean that. I'm not being silly. Uh, even if I don't love TikTok, i got to understand that's the platform mm-hmm. that most of them are on. But timeless... This is what's scary to me. I think our culture today, not the Christian culture, but culture in general, is so lusting after cutting edge, smart technology, beyond the end, you know, that we could race a past and leave behind some of the timeless values mm-hmm. that we know make a generation work in any day. 
So recently I spoke to a young team member at Growing Leaders. I've talked about this before. Maybe you've heard me say this, but I said to this young team member who was talking to me about this subject and wondering why that's old-fashioned. And I said, no, 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 it's not old-fashioned. It's timeless. I said, I will always hire a disciplined employee over an undisciplined one mm. any day. I will always hire an honest employee over a dishonest one any day. There's certain, not, maybe not a lot, but there's certain virtues that will mm-hmm. never go out of style. So as we lead companies, nonprofits, churches, you name it, there's going to be timely and timeless that need to live together. Uh, and, and that's what I try to say here uh, on this one is don't leave behind the stuff that mm-hmm. made this whole thing work. Uh, so I think uh, that's where I think Jesus just models this so mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. He ushers in a new covenant, and it's scary to the Pharisees. But boy, do we look, and he brings those, you know, those timeless yeah. virtues that, that God's people have always, always, always embraced that, that, that followed after Yahweh. So I, I just, yeah, once again, we go back to the best leader okay. who's ever walked this earth. And you're right, and that's just what we need. Uh, tell tell yeah. our audience how to pick up your book and how to find out more about you, Tim. Yeah, sure. Well, thanks for asking, Chris. Um, listeners, thanks for putting up with my voice today. Um, Growing Leaders is the organization that I lead, and it's all about the next generation of leaders, growingleaders.com. You can find Habitudes and other um, resources there, but you can get the book anywhere at Amazon. The book is Eight Paradoxes of Great Leadership, and I'm hoping that if you're young especially, you start embracing these at the beginning of your career and never leave them behind. Um, I wish I would have learned these, you know, 40 years ago, but alas... Mm. I'm going to try to master them today. <laughs> well, it's been such an honor having this conversation with you. Tim, our, the last phrase that we make in the podcast is uh, encouraging the audience to let their next step be their best step. I want you to do that today, and you can rephrase it if you'd like to, but we, uh, Tracy and I want you to make the closing comments uh, for today's podcast. Yeah. I'm really working to make my next step my best step because of this transition we're in with the Maxwell Group. And one of the phrases that I'm trying to practice kind of capsulizes the the paradox that we just talked about. I want to speak to each person as if I believe I'm right, conviction, but I want to listen to each person as if I believe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. That makes me all ears, and it just gives so much dignity, particularly to a young person. So speak as if you believe you're right, listen as if you believe you're wrong. I think that's the watchword of my life, at least right now. And that makes my next step, hopefully, my best step. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated 
to helping you make your next step your best step.